been blessed by it this morning already. We thank you for this opportunity to worship, to be with you, to feel your presence and know that you are near. We ask that you continue to bless this morning's service. Help us continue to stay focused on you and your word and your wonderful, amazing name. Amen. At this time, move around, say hi to one another. Come back in just a moment, we'll have announcements. And again, just say hi to everybody. It's usually me, it's user error there, Doug. So, <laughs> it's good to see you all this morning. Thank you for being here uh, in person. And those of you online, thank you for joining us this morning. Just a few announcements as we get started this morning. Uh, we have Peter and Lana, Linnea, thank you for joining us this morning for, for a message. We appreciate you being here. Angie, thank you for a great leadership and a wonderful worship service. All that you did, that joined her this morning, thank you so much. Uh, meal today is Adon and Maria. We're always grateful for everyone who contributes, but Adon and Maria, oh my gosh, we're so excited. They're back there feverishly preparing. I have yet to know what it was. I am hearing chicken of some sort and maybe some sort of pasta meal, so I'm excited. We do have nursery available um, for little ones and classes for preschool. You saw some of the kids take off for that through seventh grade. Uh, don't forget about Wednesdays, the 24th this Wednesday, Touchpoint with Pastor Stephen Joyce. The title of their message on Wednesday morning is Inspiration and Motivation. Um, check out for everything else. Check out online our Facebook page. We have access to all the archive services as well. Um, moving forward, don't also forget about Wednesday evening with the youth. Um, we have uh, Amplified Youth in the evening uh, at 6 o'clock and also kids activities as well. Um, any other announcements in there? I think I'm pretty much good to go there, except I want to remind everybody of a couple things, tax contributions, things like that, tax documents. We have receipts for those of you that have contributed um, back at the back counter there. They're in the envelopes for the 20, 2023 year, so double check to see if your name is out there. Uh, this morning, with regard to offering, over the course of the week, as my phone kind of shuts down, there we go. Um, over the course of the week, I found myself reflecting about reflecting on the idea of the first fruits again, um, the first fruits of His creation, and the idea of well, what is this first fruits idea? What is this? Um, and and God really was pointing me towards well, let's just look it up. Let's find it. Let's look up more understanding of what this first fruits was all about, and He led me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, verse 20, rather. And interestingly enough, because it was just stuck in my head, I'm reading out of the New Messianic version, which really focuses on the original translation of Jesus himself, of, of, of knowing who Jesus was throughout the Old and New Testament. And verse 20 goes like this. But now is Mashiach, the Messiah, risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man, Adam, became death, by man, Jesus, also the resurrection of the dead. Right? For as in Adam, men on the ground, men of the earth, all die, even so, Mashiach, the Messiah, shall all be made alive. So these first fruits were a representation of bringing life as well, right? Of bringing life. This offering, God sent down his son so that we could be saved. The sacrifice on the cross 
atoned for our sins. The death atoned for our sins. The resurrection brought the first fruits, brought life, brought the Holy Spirit. When we think about that, I think about what we can contribute as the body of Christ. We can contribute our first fruits in many different ways. That's servitude, that's monetary value, that's whatever we can do to sustain the body of the church, right? And I often think about that. If Jesus himself was considered a first fruits of humanity to give us life, what then can we bring to the table to give others the opportunity to receive that life as well? So this morning, as we think about this morning's offering, I just encourage you to be thinking about those things. What can we do here on earth to contribute to the body to sustain that life, to provide the opportunity for others to receive that life as well? So this morning's offering can be collected back there at the black boxes, but the most important thing this morning is that we pray. We pray. Father God, we thank you again for this opportunity to remember who you are, to remember who your son is and was and is yet to come. We appreciate the sacrifice so much, but in equal parts, his resurrection brings us life, the opportunity to be with you in paradise and to be with you for all eternity. This morning we bless, we ask for your blessing over this offering so that it can be used to do the same to bring opportunity for all people to receive your love, your way, and your word. In your amazing, wonderful name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. Yes, Lord, we disagree with what Josh was saying. Lord, we do... We bring it all to you, Lord. We bring this message before you, and we just ask that your words would be speaked, spoken, and that freedom would be resting in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, we are actually going to be speaking for a couple weeks here, and so we're starting a little bit of a series on freedom, and this was just a word that's been stirring in our hearts, and especially thinking about this new year, that was just one of the words that the Lord was putting on my heart was freedom. And so just thinking about freedom, um, I know there's different areas in all of our lives that we can experience freedom or have experienced freedom or still need to experience freedom. And I think a lot of times I've seen um, being set free as like being set free from like a jail cell or like fenced in. And I think those analogies, I still stand by them and I think that they're so important. But when I was spending time with the Lord, um, it's probably, it was towards the beginning of the year um, there was just some things that were just weighing heavy on me, and I just felt like the Lord kind of gave me a picture of, in this season for me, what freedom looks like. And I think sometimes when I see myself, like, in a box or trying to get out or trying to be set free, 
it almost seems like I'm running away from something, trying to be free, and then being pulled back, and then being pulled back, and being pulled back. And so what I felt like the Lord was showing me um, was just this picture of, um, I was, it was really windy, and it was just like, almost like it was a storm, blustery, and I don't know if any of you have been camping in the middle of like extreme winds, but it was almost like I was holding down this tent or it was like maybe a tarp or a tent of some kind and I was like trying to hold it around myself and it's blowing in the wind and it's like really difficult to hold down. And I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me and saying that those, the things that held me bondage or the things that I was holding on to was actually more exhausting for me to hold on to than to let go of. And so whatever that may be, like fear or pride or just all these different things that we hold on to, I saw it more as this like this tent or this tarp that I was holding around myself. And so then I just saw myself let go and it just flew away in the wind. And what I discovered that the purpose of the wind in this moment was to blow those things away that hold us so captive. And so I know sometimes it can seem easier said than done, but that perspective has really shifted something for me this last month because instead of feeling like I, I like going in and out of different things that I'm struggling with, I felt like, Lord, I am free. I live freely in you. You've already given me the freedom. And there may be things that pass by me, float by me, and I try to pull it down over to protect myself. But you've given me that freedom. And the moment that I realize that what I'm doing by holding on to these things is actually more exhausting, is actually wearing me out and tiring me out, more than just surrendering and letting go, then I can actually just live in that freedom. And the space of freedom is so much bigger than, um, than I sometimes perceive it to be. And so I may actually, um, do you have that picture? Um, Okay, so I'll just read kind of what I felt like the Lord was sharing, um, sharing to me with that picture. Um, freedom isn't as scary as you may think. Freedom in Christ is safer than staying in a box because the safety isn't out there, but it's in here. The safety is in you because you are my child and I am in you. I am a good father. You don't have to wait to become free until dot, dot, dot. You are already free. Any bondages you've had are in your mind where you pull them around yourself to protect yourself. How exhausting. Let go and let me teach you not how to get free, but how to live in the freedom already given to you. And so with that, we are going to dive into um, some scripture. 
and kind of pull out, like, the message of freedom really is the message of the kingdom, we think. Like, that's a big part of what Jesus came to flip things on their head, to reveal to people the freedom available to them. And so we want to take a look at that in Matthew today. All right. Turn my mic back on. All right. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to start just by uh, reading some scripture uh, and uh, quite a bit of scripture this morning. Uh, and so I would, I would ask you to open with me, uh, if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatnot, uh, to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and you'll probably recognize a lot of what I'm reading today. Much of it uh, is, is very familiar. This is from Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, his Sermon on the Mount, uh, some of the most famous verses in the whole of Bible, the whole of Christendom, especially the most famous things that Jesus ever said, because uh, the Sermon on the Mount is a condensed a uh, very uh, compact version of Jesus' entire uh, message here on earth. He came, uh, he was preaching, and this is the type of thing he spent his whole life uh, dedicated to these kind of central core ideas and principles. Um, and we just kind of want to dive into it today, I guess, and, and see it from that, that lens, that lens of freedom, because when Jesus speaks, he's speaking into a world that's um, you know, the ancient world isn't so different from ours, really, but full of brokenness, full of uh, hurt. Uh, he addresses the type of people he's speaking from the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to read chapter 5, but uh, we can see that the type of people he's uh, connecting to, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek and the merciful, the pure at heart, those peacemakers, these, these small uh, seemingly insignificant people in the world living in the hill country of uh, Israel uh, is not so unlike, perhaps, the people we know, the people, our neighbors, uh, our friends, our family. Uh, I don't know if any of us here are, are famous or people who would consider themselves great names <laughs> uh, on this planet, uh, but Jesus points at people like you and me, average, normal human beings, and he says, I bless you, and I see something in you that is radically unique and valuable to me, the God of the universe, and I want to call you up to something more, right? Something we call the kingdom, <laughs> uh, his kingdom. And so we're going to read it. Uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to be reading for a couple of minutes because chapter six is rather long, but we, uh, we're going to talk through many of the things and jump back in, back and forth throughout it, so we thought it would make more sense just to read the whole of it, because this is how people would have, would have heard it, just all this, all at once, and you kind of have to sit with it. So here goes, Matthew uh, chapter 6, I'm just going to read the whole thing here. Uh, this is in the New King James. So take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they, um, they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand 
is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and that your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like all those hypocrites, for they have they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen before men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret and will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows that the things you have need of before you even ask him. So therefore, pray like this, Father in heaven, hallowed is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and all the glory forever. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like all those hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in that secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So do not lay up for yourselves those treasures on earth where men, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. For the lamp of the body is the eye. And if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of that light. But if your eye is bad, and your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great could that darkness be? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and riches. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life at all, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than its clothing? Look, the birds of the air, they don't sow, they do not reap, they don't gather into their barns, yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not of more value than all of these? Which of you by worrying can add even a single cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider these lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil. They do not spin. And yet I say to you, even great Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Now if God so clothes this grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is just thrown into the oven, will he not so much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For after all these things, 
all peoples of the earth are seeking. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. <laughs> but if you seek first this kingdom of God, his righteousness, you'll find that all these things are added unto you. And therefore I say, do not worry about tomorrow at all. For tomorrow will worry about its own things, and sufficient for today is its own trouble. Woo! Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. All right. Um, we'll start by talking about uh, just that, that first part of, of the chapter. Um, uh, in chapter 6, he sort of, uh, Matthew breaks things down a little bit here for us in Jesus' speech. Um, we see at the beginning there are three things, right, uh, that we're told to not do as others do, right? These three things are the charitable deeds, the praying, right, and the fasting. We see that there's a little pattern here. Maybe you noticed it, right? He says, do not be as these men do who go out in front of other men to display these things, these Charitable deeds, these prayer, this praying, this fasting, right? Uh, but be uh, something else, right? To do these things in secret. Uh, that the men who do these things in public, well, they have their reward, but the one who does these things in secret has some other kind of reward, yes? Um, what we find when we, we see something like this, when we, we see something in a group of three, uh, what we often kind of have to do is say that Jesus is doing more than just talking about the things themselves, right? Uh, this has more to do with just doing good deeds or just praying or just fasting. Uh, it's about seeing these, these things together as a group and saying, well, there's a, you're creating, Jesus is creating this pattern for a purpose. He wants to speak a bigger theme, a message through these three examples of something larger, right? Um, and I was, as I was thinking about this, uh, chapter six of, and by extent, the whole Sermon on the Mount is really trying to paint a picture of two different kind of worlds that I think he's offering us that we can live in, right? We can live in the type of world that we already do live in. He says, here's the world you already see. Here's the one you already live in, right? Uh, and some of us would expect that he would say, okay, here's all the murderers. Here's all the terrible, worst people in the world who are making the world a bad place, right? That's what he, maybe we'd expect for him to paint the picture of. But he says, here's a picture of people who are trying their best to do what they think is right, yeah? Um, at least on the outside, right? He even says at the very end, right, that the whole world, not just us, the people of God, are seeking after uh, what we think is best, right? It's everybody, every human on earth has an innate desire to seek something, right? <laughs> to seek after what is going to fill them, right? Um, and in the end, we see that these things are, are often just very surface level. We say to ourselves, well, I need uh, the basic comforts of life. I need to worry about what I will eat, what I will drink, what I will wear. Um, if, I, if I figure out, if I can control these aspects of my life, then I will be free. Then I will not have to worry or be anxious. Then, and only then, once I achieve all this stuff, will I be secure. Will I be in this kingdom of goodness, this some idea of a world made right. Um, 
And Jesus starts, though, in here in chapter 6, the people that we might look at and what common wisdom would say, would say that these are, all these people are, are set apart from that system, this worldly, um, self-serving system. Uh, when we see the people doing these grand, great deeds, the people who are giving, right, these people who are the, the persons praying on the street corner, we look at that and we, say, we would say, well, that person, they're sacrificing their life. That must be uncomfortable, slaying down on that street corner, praying to God as loud as you can. This person who's fasting, well, they're torturing their body in the name of God, right? Certainly, this person is affecting the world uh, in a way that is holy and good and called on by, by God, right? Uh, but Jesus says these people, apparently, they're part of that same self-serving system. These people, they do things before men because they want to appear as if they are creating this holy, good kingdom but the kingdom they get is only what serves the here and, and now. It's focused on the me and the, 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 the this, <laughs> the, the now and the this and the outside stuff that we see, right? So Jesus says there's, there's one world that we can live in. We can continue living this way, but there's, there's another way, right? Uh, and as I was reading this the first time, uh, I called this little section... Uh, Jesus redefines ritual as relational. <laughs> uh, and so we see all these, these rituals, these things that we, we do and we strive in and we try so hard to be, be holy and good, people who are serving God as hard as we can and the holiness is pouring off of us just like sweat, right? Uh, and Jesus says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna free you from that right now and say that that stuff, it only affects things for a moment. It's good. He says, there's, there's reward in that. It's, it's okay. It's not bad to be praying on the street corners and fasting and, and all these things. These things are good. Uh, but there's, there's a limit when it's not filled with myself, when it's not filled with my spirit, when it's not connected to me. And so you see in every one of these examples, he says, instead, I'm trying to, instead of trying to do it in and towards men, we're do, we could do it towards me, right? These things are done in the secret place. There's some, some hidden gem of himself that when we enter into him, we find that there's something bigger, right? Um, we think that if we serve all this stuff, we're going to, we're going to make uh, this, this kingdom, right, out of this, this greatness that we call humanity. Um, but it's in this internal realm, this realm of the spirit, that we find something bigger and grander that he calls the kingdom of God, and there's, there's something backwards about that. It it it, um, it maybe sounds you know good up from the stage here. It's like oh yes, yes godliness, good. Um, but it 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 kind of it should prick against our regular human thinking, where we our eyes say, well, this is what is good, and and this internal realm, this invisible thing of connecting to the Father and His heart. Um, it just doesn't seem tangible enough. It doesn't seem like it's doing anything. But Jesus makes a claim here, at least, <laughs> doesn't he? That when we, when we ask that his kingdom come and his will be done, um, something happens because his kingdom is full of power and glory forever. That's not a reward that just lasts for today. That's a reward that is something that goes out and beyond our immediate sphere. There's something really happening <laughs> Uh, when we enter into that secret kingdom of himself. Uh, and that's mind-blowing. That's 
uh, radical. <laughs> that's, that's not the way that uh, people are used to hearing uh, these, these types of rituals being talked about. Especially, uh, just imagine this audience. Your whole world is, is very ritualistic. Everything about your culture is in the name of, you know, Yahweh. You, everything you think you're doing is, is in the name of being the kingdom of what you thought was the kingdom of God. And then God himself comes and says, you, you missed something here. <laughs> you're not quite, uh, you're, you're doing the stuff, but you're not finding me, yes? And that me-ness is something close. It's something intimate. It's something that is connective to the very heart of God. That's so good. Um, so with that reward, when we think of rewards... They are something that you receive because you've earned it, like whether it's an achievement or whether it's through performance or um, working. And so something that I've noticed looking through uh, Matthew 6 is when Jesus is talking about these different ritualistic things, he uses the language of reward, reward. Um, and it's, you'll see it several times if you have your Bible. Um, it'll be, it's, I have it underlined many times here where he's talking about reward. And then he comes to talking about treasures in heaven. And treasures are hidden. Treasures are oftentimes not something that is earned. It's something that is found or given and uh, just jump in here quick, hon. Uh, this is this was this was mind blowing to me when Naya brought this up to me. I I didn't quite I didn't quite grasp it. We almost had a little argument about it when we were reading, because I I had I we kind of read the, these these chapters separately, and I said and I said, well well, hon, I was going to teach you something, right? <laughs> well, hon. Uh, what I see here, you know, is, is several sections, and here's the section about the rituals, and then he moves on to the treasures, right? And and. Linnea goes, well, honey, I think I see them more as, as one thing. They're connected. And I went, no, I don't think so. They're separate. They're different, you know. And, and she goes, no, you're not, you're not catching something here, Peter. And so I, she, I learned something here, so, um, which isn't as incredible as it sounds, really. <laughs> no, I, 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 my wife teaches me something every day. So, um, yeah. Go on, hon. This, uh, it just, it's mind-blowing to me. When you think of these treasures, I always thought of just physical stuff but then they connected to this idea of spiritual reward. Yes, so really asking ourselves, would we rather be rewarded and seen by men or experience treasures in the secret place with the Lord? And so those treasures are something that, like, if you've spent any time in the secret place with the Lord, you know, you know what a treasure he is. You know the treasures he gives you. And I just think that's just so neat how he ties those things together that kind of how he closes some of those thoughts are like, this is something you want to do outwardly. Well, you'll be rewarded for that. You'll earn your keep. You'll, you'll get what you worked for. But if you're wanting to have something that's hidden within your heart, something that I place there, something that's more valuable than anything that is a reward, that anything that you could earn, 
then it has to be in that secret place. It has to be stored, as he says, laid up or stored in heaven. And if heaven is here on earth, if that's part of what the kingdom of God is doing, is bringing heaven to earth, then yes, we lay up treasures in heaven, but that becomes within our hearts. As he says, um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I just think that that's just such a neat uh, way for the Lord to continually be reminding us that it's about relationship. It's about that secret place. It's about coming to him. It's not about even this reward or even, I know sometimes I've oftentimes thought about like, oh, well, when I get to heaven, I'll have a lot of rewards um, for all the good things I've done. And that could still be the case. And I think that the Lord is so abundant that that may still be the case. But I'm starting to see a lot more that Jesus is inviting me into the treasures now, into his heart, into his, him being the treasure, him being the secret place. And I just think that when we are able to let go, kind of like I said with that analogy, we're able to let go, then we're able to actually open our hands to receive that treasure, to receive what's given to us. And then what he moves on to talk about, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, We'll see as we continue the next couple of weeks here too. He uses a lot of eye and hearing, ear imagery, um, like this sensory imagery. And so he's talking what I think is about perspective. And if you can see that um, your body as being your experience in this life, if your eye is the lamp of the body, how you see things, how you perceive things can either fill your experience of life on earth with light or with darkness. And he's saying if you, if you perceive things and you think that what you're doing is good and right and true, but it's actually not in the secret place, it's actually not coming from his perspective, how how much darkness that is, how, how much of your experience actually ends up being captivated or captivating and um, like bondage, really. And I don't know how many of you have experienced what you felt like bondage with your relationship with God. I feel like there's been many different things that, and I know in the past I've talked about legalism and different things in following God, that those things have then for me to turn into something that has become a work or that has become void of his actual presence. And then what happens is my experience, I don't have the joy. I don't have peace. I don't have 
faith or trust or hope. And in those moments, it's like, I feel like my life is full of darkness, even though what I perceive or what I see and think I see is light. So then what's the solution here? What's the solution? It's if the eye is the lamp of the body, then who are we looking to? And who are we looking through? Really, Jesus, his perspective, what he's trying to share with us is you will only truly know and see and have the right perception, have the right perspective in the secret place. I don't know how many of you have gotten in an argument or like been really frustrated about something and then you spend a little bit of time with the Lord and then you come out from that time seeing things a little differently. And that's what he does. That's how he does it. And as we move through the rest of um, Matthew 6 and 7, there's this perspective that he's trying to shift. He's trying to look at people and say, this is how you've been seeing things. This is how you've been viewing things. And I want to change that. I want to shift that. I want you to see things the way I see things, to view things, view people, view yourself, view God in the way, the correct way, through his love, through his hope and his goodness and his peace and his freedom. And so when you tie that all together with this idea of earning rewards or storing up treasures in the hidden place with the Lord, really we have a choice of perspective. We have the ability to determine what our experience on life looks like based on what we see. I remember um, watching something at some point and uh, they said, you see or you see what you look for. And that phrase just has always like just really stuck in my mind is this idea that whatever you see or however you see things is however you look for something. So if you're looking for his goodness, if you're looking for the areas in your life that you know God wants to connect to you, that he's drawing you in, you will see it every single moment and area and place that you are. But if you're looking for the areas that you feel like people are taking from you, that they are um, hurting you, that they're harming you, you will see that. You will see whatever you look for. Hmm. Thinking how we want to land here today. Okay. So, um, yeah, moving on to like the talking about the seeing, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of those other things will be added unto you, kind of like what Peter was saying. And my, my version actually says, for the pagans, run 
after these things, like what will I wear, what will I eat, what will, all these things. And I think this is talking about provision. It's talking about trusting God for provision. But I think there's also an element of, at that time, um, what they wore or what they ate or drank was very ritualistic. There were a lot of... um, ritualistic ways of eating. There were things you couldn't eat or you could eat or when you should eat them. And so I think some of this is actually also talking about this similar idea that Peter was talking about is redefining that ritual where no longer does the relationship with God become about those external things, but it becomes about trusting in him seeking first his kingdom, and again, that seeking, that seeing, having that perspective. Because I used to always think like, well, what does it mean to seek his kingdom? Like trying to look and find, or I, my only reference for it was hide and seek when I was young. So it's like, okay, you have to try to find where God is. But I really think as, as I'm getting older, is seeing that it is that perspective, allowing him to unveil those blinders over our eyes. And we often know people who aren't saved definitely are blind to the kingdom. But us as Christians, there's many things that are causing us to um, not step out in freedom because we're viewing things not through actually his perspective. We may think that it's his perspective, like earlier talking about You think it's light, but it's actually darkness. But when we actually take time to allow him to enter those innermost parts of our hearts and to show us, to reveal to us, to have the humility to understand and realize that maybe there's been ways we've been seeing things that haven't aligned with who he is, that's seeking the kingdom, is shifting that perspective. Yeah, I don't know if I can put it much better than that, hon. Um, yeah, we're going to continue this uh, next week. We're going to talk about, we're going to kind of flow into uh, Matthew 7 as well. And the, uh, I think Jesus really, uh, he takes this up a notch a little bit, and it becomes uh, a challenge to this world system, right? This world system that tries to convince us that we need to operate um, operate with it, right? It says, well, you, you, you're not going to survive, right, if, if you just, uh, if you actually accept this idea that if we uh, seek the kingdom first, right, if we actually rely on God the way he asks, the way we trust him uh, as close uh, as we trust any other human being on this earth, right? If we actually seek the reality of himself, that that will have an effect in the real world. There's, there's a, you know, the world system says, well, it's, it's good to have, you know, a religious mindset. It's good to have some spiritualism in your life, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, actions speak louder than words. You, you've got to get down to brass tacks and just do a bunch of stuff, right? Um, and, that, and you got to worry about all this stuff, right? You have to kind of keep your, you, you know, the front of your mind really does have to be on all the things going on around you, all the things that are worth worrying about, right? All the things in the headlines, all the things that uh, are in your everyday life. 
Um, and there's something that convinces us. There's a, an everyday kind of uh, what I call a commonplace wisdom uh, that we just learn by living on this planet and talking to other people that it just seems right and true to do what we kind of always do. Uh, and Jesus wants to, to interrupt us by just being himself, by being with us. <laughs> yeah, that's what he called himself, right? He was Emmanuel, God with us. And that is supposed to sort of interrupt the, the narrative of humanity that just sort of goes along and tracks along and people live and people die and wars are fought and, and people sort of do the same things throughout all of history and nothing really changes. Jesus wants to actually shift ourselves, create a kingdom within us that is bigger than all that stuff, that overcomes those things. We, we were singing about that over and over again this morning, weren't we? The name of Jesus is power, is victory, is above all crowns and, and powers and things. It's if we, if we meant it, meant it. If we knew it, knew it uh, in our hearts. Uh, and that's what I think I've been contemplating as I've been listening to this is just, you know, ask myself, do I, do I know it this deep down within myself as, I, as my words say, right? As when I'm singing those songs, uh, do I, is it part of me? Is he part of me? Am I knowing him every day in that way? Um, I wrote this last night, this just little blurb as I was thinking through this. I was standing in my kitchen. Um, and and this, this just came to me. It's, it's to seek me, Jesus, is to find me in an attitude, uh, a pose of reception. It's a way of loving that is radical. It's not prescribed or, or bound by anything, but it fills others with an extension of my life. It's not found in all these acts of so-called holiness or religious fervor, um, self-righteousness, but uh, it's found in me. Um, there are those who will worship me, but there are also those who will follow after me. And there's a distinction. <laughs> um, and I think that's what Jesus is pointing out here, is that uh, he's speaking to people who have known the word of God, they've known the stories of God, they've known his name, they have his temple right in their background, backyard, right? Um, they're doing all these things for, in the name of, but do they know him? Are they following after him? And he says, it's being in my kingdom is like being what I'm doing, is paying attention to the places that are secret, that aren't obvious. It's going into that secret place with me and knowing me and reaching out through me uh, in a way that isn't the common wisdom of our day, but it's, it's listening to that, that spirit that says, I love you, I know you, and I give you power to work in this everyday life that you live <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, right? Uh, you're going to affect the world here. You're going to make a difference because you have me. Yes? Can the kingdom of, of God be here in Bemidji, Minnesota? Do we believe <laughs> 10 strike Bemidji, this whole area, yes? Can we know? Do we believe it? I, I believe it. Um, would you like to pray for us, honey? Lord, I just, I thank you. We just thank you for the opportunity, for the invitation to your freedom, for the invitation to the power of your kingdom being revealed in our hearts and released 
through our mouths and through our hands and through what we do, not because we earn anything, but because it flows out from who we are in you. Lord, I just thank you for your presence. I just thank you for your constant, continual call to your heart, drawing us to your heart. And Lord, if there's nothing we ever do but come into your secret place, then that will be more abundance than we could ever receive, earning anything in this life. So Lord, we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, Josh was just reminding me that we, uh, if you need prayer for anything, you can come forward. Uh, we thank you for being here. Um, you're welcome to join us in fellowship. We have a great meal, Donna Maria, so it'll be wonderful. Uh, be blessed. We'll see you next week. Break. Mm-hmm.